Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's Matrix discussion group call for tactical sovereignty. Matrix as in exiting the matrix. So... Anyway, I just started the recording up. That way people that come on hear that there's actually something going on. They don't check in and leave. Uh, the way the new TalkShoe platform is set up, I guess, not everybody, whether calling in over internet or just over your phone, necessarily hears something unless the recording's been started. So that's what I did. Um, I kind of thought tonight that it might actually be another two hours from now before we're able to start this, but... Uh, fortunately, a couple things got changed around and made my time more available, so we're able to get this started up. Um, everybody's mic should be unmuted as they come in. Uh, let me just double check that. Give me one second here. Reading you loud and clear. Thanks for doing this tonight. All right, cool, thanks. And I appreciate that. Let's me know that the mics are all unmuted. Uh, who is this? Tom from Oregon. Hey, Tom, how you doing? Doing well, thank you. I've been looking at a lot of things regarding... Uh, the West Coast, uh, which I guess would kind of include Oregon, but it, it looks like it was all pretty much talking about things a little bit south of Oregon as far as weather and earthquakes and things like that. And actually what I was reading was a, a warning that was coming from Russia uh, to the U.S., kind of letting people know, hey, guys, you know, I don't know if your geologists are telling you, but you're going to be seeing some major earthquakes there and some things are going to probably be happening, and you might want to consider moving. I don't know if you've seen that or not, Tom. I'd love to see some links. It'd be really neat to see. Yeah, I've heard it in two or three places, and I was actually going to go online and see if there's anything posted anywhere uh, of what Russia has said. <laughs> One of the other things also that uh, I found out today was that somebody speaking with someone, uh, I don't think it was National Guard, somebody in the Army, <clears throat> and they're talking about, excuse me, <clears throat> the different drills and things that they're doing on the West Coast and how the past two years those drills have kind of changed. And they've really, really amped up and changed the past few months. And the drills now are really getting more and more centered around emergency preparedness, um, setting up uh, posts in different areas that can take care of emergencies. And we're not talking about emergencies like due to fires or anything like that, but emergencies due to like 
uh, major earthquakes, possible tsunami scenario, and that kind of thing. I found that was pretty interesting. What, so what they're saying with subject that uh, it seems to me like someone who's been paying attention to the long-term Agenda 21 uh, narrative would really not be surprised by all the money being spent on the drilling and uh, you know p new roles that are being made within new agencies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, what this guy in the army was saying was what they're pretty much looking at was. Uh, taking care of people that were all west of um, I-5, I guess, Interstate 5. And not all the areas west of Interstate 5 would be affected, but a large amount of them. And that, that makes up quite a bit of landmass, actually, in a lot of cities. A lot of people that are traumatized by fire right now there was an interesting article that came out in conjunction with all these fires that there's some type of uh, preliminary stage of uh, things going on to, to open things up for a fast transit line uh, some type of fast train or uh, magnetic train of some sort and that's what that's what a lot of the stuff is doing is lowering the price of real estate property in this corridor yeah I saw that corridor that was planned and uh, how a lot of those fires seem to directly align with uh, what was happening with the plans for this uh, transit system uh, but at the same time, I also stop and think that, you know, so many things that occur happen for not just one reason, but they normally try and, uh, I guess, pardon the pun, kill two birds with one stone, or maybe three. Now, you know, normally two or three things um, are affected by what's done, not just one single thing. And so I was also kind of wondering if, you know, if at the same time, um, the geologists within the government are, are looking at the possibility of something catastrophic happening very soon. And this was just kind of a warning shot and trying to get people out of there saying, hey, you need to leave, you know. And one, it'll protect people if they do leave. And two, if nothing does happen, then it'll also pave the way for our new transit system. Because that transit system, if you, you look at the map of it, I mean, directly correlated with where these fires were occurring at. And to me, it's like, yeah, that can't be coincidental. It's some of the most inflated property values on the West Coast due to the new economy built around this, this plant that's going to just be more and more sought after as it becomes more and more legal and more and more legal. So it's just a lot of, a lot of strange layers, like you say. Usually when there's uh, prerogative, there's about four or five layers of prerogative, and they're aiming for a bullseye, but if they come off the bullseye just a little ways, they still got a lot of solutions made up for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it may not take care of one or two things, but if they've got four or five things on the fire, <laughs> pardon the pun on the fire, uh, regarding the situation, it might not take care of one or two of them, but it's going to solve maybe three or four or five of, of the other situations that are directly related to it. 
Um, we got a few other people that were bouncing on the call this evening because they had some questions about various things and they were messaging me about it. I just want to let them know that their lines are open. Their mics should be hot unless they've got themselves muted on the other side. They can feel free to go ahead and ask. Because we weren't really specifically really going to be talking about the fires or different things going on. Um, and then we could go into Christchurch and talk about the situation in Christchurch. Uh, because that's pretty crazy as well. But, it, you know, even if people doubt <clears throat> some of the things like what Tom referred to, you can look at research that's been done by uh, StopTheCrime.net and Deborah Tavares, because they found that even uh, three, four, five years ago, that a lot of the commissioners for various county boards had met, and they were making plans for property that was already preoccupied. And anybody at that time that would look at what they were talking about would look at it and say, uh, this makes absolutely no sense. You're, you're talking about all these other different structures you're going to be putting in, but there's homes there right now. What's going on? This doesn't make any sense. But now, after the fact, it's like, oh, so somebody had a heads up. They were, they were planning on doing something eventually, and they were already setting up you know, their problem reaction solution, the Hegelian dialect for what was going to be happening. Because what was going to be happening was going to pave the way for the plans that had been set up by these commissioners. So, and people can go and check that out if they want, just to kind of fact check things. Uh, anyway. I wasn't really sure what a few other people wanted to discuss this evening. They were messaging me. Uh, they can speak up if they want. If not, uh, hold on just a second here. Let me answer this. Okay. Well, you know, I still see a lot of, I don't want to say BS stuff. It's not that it's really BS. It's just people that are uneducated. I'd rather use the word uneducated than ignorant. Uh, but they just sound uneducated to the facts. And people talk about like the legal name stuff. Oh, right, stay away from the legal name. You know, in my opinion, that's really just been held in advance, uh, waiting for a two-party answers to come forward. Um, it's been held from birth. It's actually an organization that was created. It was created for people to interact in commerce. That's all it was. And that way, the empire could have an attachment to whatever that was happening in commerce. It only makes sense that that's what would be done. I mean, I'd sit back a while ago when I realized we've been fooled on so many levels. And I've really come to the point where it's not just so many levels. I mean, I guess I've had people chatting with me about religion and stuff. But we've really been fooled on every level. Everything is a deception. Everything's been twisted. And, and people are living in a world that they don't realize exists much differently than what they view it as. Because what they view it as is what they've been told to view it as. And like I said before, you know, myself, 
if I was at the end of my life and found out that everything had been totally BS and wrong, I would be very, very disappointed and upset. And so I, I think it's really our duty today to help explain to others, you know, because everybody is stuck. They've got their cognitive dissonance. They, they think everything is a certain way, da, da, da. And it's not. It's most often quite the opposite. And people learn this to be true mostly when they end up getting confronted by the empire, getting forced into court or something like that. Yeah, most people's first reaction is, oh, they don't follow their own rules. Uh, well, they don't know what those rules are, for one. The people don't, anyway. And, and so that's easy to say. And it's easy to say they're corrupt. It's easy to say they're corrupt because you don't comprehend what those rules are. You don't really know what they're doing. You don't know what they're following. If you know what they're doing when you know what they're following, it all kind of really makes a lot more sense. And you find out that uh, you're just fodder for the system. You're just food for the system. But at the same time, when you comprehend what's going on and what they're doing, then you can also see that within every law or everything they do, there has to be remedy applied. It has to be supplied for you to uh, have a way out, have a way of protection. And so once you really comprehend what's happening and, and then you, you find those different ways, those different avenues of protection, because they're not like put right out there on billboards for you or anything like that. You kind of have to figure out how the system works and kind of picture it in your mind. And then you start seeing, oh, well, in order for this to happen, something else has to happen. So therefore, there's a little bridge there. So I need to correct that bridge. I need to take care of that problem and take care of that situation. Because otherwise, nobody does it. And so they just continue moving forward as in a situation of presumption. Everybody's heard of presumption of law or assumption of law. And that's what they do. They presume and assume that you totally know what's happening, even though you have no clue. And so they keep moving forward with their plan and until the problem is raised. Uh, there's a maximum of law that says unless it's raised, it's laid. That means it is what it is unless somebody brings up the situation. Once you bring up the situation, then you can correct it. And then you can change things. See a bunch more people jumping on the line this evening. I had to work tonight. Guys, sorry. I thought I was going to be working until midnight. Actually, once I got there, I found out I was supposed to be there probably till midnight, which was rare. It was only supposed to be till 10. And... Uh, then I ended up getting out at like 9.30 uh, due to a very kind um, manager that I'm acquainted with. So I was still able to do uh, tonight's call um, at 10 o'clock, which is still even later than our normal 7 o'clock. But uh, hopefully after this week, we'll be going back to the 7 o'clock Eastern time. Um, and so I didn't have a whole lot laid out or anything really prepared. Um, just some things I've presented with the past few days. And it appears as if the majority of the people on the board are in the view only or the listen only mode. Um, but I just want to let those know who aren't that 
their mics are open. And if you have something you want to bring up, feel free to do so. Add to the content. I was chatting with Israel earlier. I don't know if he's here. I think he had some stuff he wanted to talk about. I'm going to go into the name issue, right? Since nobody's picked it up. Because I see this bounce up on different boards every now and then. And it seems like uh, very few people that are still in the uh, group of run from the name crowd or whatever. We don't want to call them out, but still see them pipe up here and there. And you don't realize that there's been something put in place as well for that. Uh, even though that organization, the name, was registered 10 days or so after birth, doesn't mean that you can't go and reclaim it because that can still be done. That, that's one step is really through the authentication process. And that process is laid out in detail on call number six here at Tactical Sovereignty. I did that because when I was first researching it, I couldn't find the information anywhere. I heard it mentioned now and then, but nobody was really giving step-by-step, blow-by-blow how it's done uh, as far as the authentication. So, okay, that's one of the first things I needed to do. So one of the first calls over, over TalkShoe we did, call number six, was the step-by-step -step for um, authentication. And there's also a WordPress link for that as well if you go to WordPress, Brian Parker, Tactical Sovereignty. I keep hearing somebody bounce in and out. That's why I hesitate in case they uh, are wanting to say something. Yeah, like that. <laughs> but anyway, you know, the whole run from the name crowd, uh, they think if they run from it, then it's not going to exist anymore. And I've had people contact me since I first started doing this research. People were contacting me a few years ago, and they're like, oh, Brian, I don't know what we're going to do. We burned our birth certificates. We we burned our driver's license, all, all this stuff. And now we can't figure out how we can go and correct things. And it's like, yeah, you got let into a trap because that's all that is. Because burning the birth certificate doesn't destroy that legal entity. Burning the driver's license doesn't destroy that legal entity. In fact, since you didn't create that legal entity, there's nothing you can do to destroy it. However, since the world system, the empire, wants you to represent it or be an agent for it, well, then guess what you can do? Then you can go and you can take control over it and take the control back from their hands because that's all that's happening. Uh, whether it's a traffic stop or something happening in court or whatever, what they're doing, they're admi administering the state, kind of going back to the title of the group, administering the state, because that's what they're doing. They're just administrating the organization because you're not. And they don't think you're doing it properly. And that's why they're stepping in. 
So when you go in and take back title to it, all right, and now you are um, switching your role from being really basically a minor to actually being of the age majority and able to control that organization. Because you've figured it out, you've looked into it, and you're doing it. Most people don't. And like I said, the, the perfect correlation to look at is the court system. Everybody thinks that what goes on in courts mostly is people going in for traffic tickets, or people getting sued, this and that, and it's a, it's a lot bigger than that. I'm sorry, somebody wanted to pipe in? What's up? All right, but when you look at what the courts really do, look at where the big money is at. The big money, when you go online and look at what's happening in the courts, I've got um, a couple of YouTube channels that are dedicated to showing courts, like the Ninth District in California, this or that. And I get alerted a few times every day to live feeds of things that are going on. And these are, it's normally all, big corporations going after different things with each other. Well, that's exactly what's happening if you boil it right down to simple traffic court. Uh, these big corporations are coming in and they have an officer for the organization that's coming in uh, doing business as or representing that company, that organization. And it's the same situation across the board. You go right down, like I said, to traffic court. They're looking at you as you are representing an organization. Uh, go back to the very, very first call, call number one on this talk shoe link, and uh, listen to KW's experience in court. The judge told him flat out. He said, uh, I'm sorry. He said, I still see you as operating an agency. And that's the way they look at you. And so people have to be able to wrap their mind around this. And that's one of the things that has really confused me the most in a couple different ways. Number one, when I, when I was first trying to wrap my mind and unwind my mind around this concept, I was like, okay, wait a second. I'm not Brian Parker? Oh, what is Brian Parker? I mean, I, I rolled this through my mind for several days. And then all of a sudden the light bulb came on. I was like, oh, my God. The light bulb was, I'm Clark Kent, but I'm not Superman. <laughs> Although Clark Kent plays Superman. Yeah, you know what I mean? Sure. Well, they're looking at you as Superman when you're going, no, I'm just Clark Kent. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's that simple. So even though the names are similar in this or that, they're looking at you as being an agent for a statutory entity. Um, and you're looking at yourself as just being yourself and don't realize that there's a difference. And I've even heard some judges say, well, we look at you as being one and the same. Okay, so they're looking at the officer for Walmart at court as being one and the same as Walmart. And they're looking at him as being all these buildings all over the place or whatever. 
essentially. Not really, but they're, they're looking at him as being that piece of paper that established Walmart. This is actually called their compact or their constitution. Yeah, yeah, they got a constitution too, just like every other company. And so when you figure out there's a difference there, and like I said, you know, with these other run from the name people and stuff, they're like, oh, that name's copyrighted. We can prove it. Look, look right here on the birth certificate. It says copyright. Yeah, the form is copyrighted, not the content. The form was created long before any of the content was ever added. So, yeah, that so form is copyrighted, but not the content. So what is the common law copyright exactly for? Oh, this is Israel. How you doing? Yeah, I was got in late. Sorry, <laughs> I was trying to access it. <laughs> All right, no problem. Well, no, a common law copyright's okay, but uh, and that's something I spent oh probably about a week and a half researching everything I could find on it. And a common law copyright has a very limited ability of enforcement. I think it's only like maybe one to two thousand dollars for enforcement. Oh yeah. Whereas, so, but my comment. Yeah. I have I have sovereign Fallen solutions do mines and they put each occurrence for five hundred thousand in the, in the common yeah. law copyright. Yeah, that's bullshit. Sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you. Sorry to tell really? you. That, that's, really? That's yeah. Well, and on top of it, you you were talking about the legal name, and a legal name cannot be copyrighted. Copyrights are for works of art, basically. Okay, it's for books, it's for statues, True. it's for it's for um, if you made a design. This is a design for how we're going to create this new Ford automobile, or this new Buick, or whatever the case may be. Okay, and, so it'll basically be or, a trademark or books of works or literature. Those are what copyrights are for. Now, what you can do with the legal name that I've done under the guidelines of copyright is you can copyright your autograph because that is your own work of art. Okay. Okay. I understand that. And now where that would come into play at is that would really help in situations. If you go back to, was it like 2008 or whatever, where you had, people that were talking about sitting in a room with a stack of papers and they're sitting there doing robo signing. You know what I mean? They they were just robo signing freaking people's names to stuff. Well, uh, if they if they came across your contract and they saw that copyright insignia there, they might think twice about doing a robo sign on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that that's really, I think, where that comes in importance at. And, you know, with my autograph um, and the copyrights I've done on it, um, I, I, I put the C copyright logo anytime I ever have to sign anything. I always put it on there. And if you've got to sign a check, put it on there. Yeah, and if anybody and if anybody has a question, I've got a link and I've got the copyright number, so they can look it up and and see where it's listed at. 
So would a DBA actually be owning some type of entitlement to the name? Yeah, a DBA or an assumed name certificate out of Minnesota. Yeah, that, that's really the direction you want to go to as far as uh, handling the legal name. Okay, so like in my situation, like I already got my case dismissed and everything, but I wanted to send them an invoice based off of the name. Okay, so if I get a DBA, would it, would it be too late to still send them an invoice or I would have to wait for another occurrence? In my opinion, it would be too late. I, everything that you do really should be done in preventative measures, okay? Yeah, true. Because, for instance, like that DBA wasn't set up prior to whatever – the courts did or whatever you know what i mean because if it had been then you could have contacted them and said oh i'm sorry you're trying to contact this association and um <laughs> i i am a trustee or whatever for it and I, i'm denying access you know it, it's just like okay for instance um you see a lot of the stuff with debt collectors and people uh, you get these letters in the mail for a collection of a debt, and so they're told to write like on a 45 degree angle in red, stand on your right foot, put your left foot up in the air, and right on there, um, no contract or it, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> well, they really don't have any authority to do that because they don't have any ownership over that name. The state still holds that name. Uh, they're basically just renting it. They're just leasing it. That, that's why you pay taxes in the spring. One of the reasons is because you're just leasing property of the state. So you go ahead and do your DBA or assume name certificate, and now you've actually got some control over that name, where prior you didn't. And in those situations, then you can let those people know, hey, I see you're trying to contact this organization, da-da-da. Um, I, I'm a trustee for it, or I'm the holder of it, and uh, I need to get more information from you before uh, we can contract. Hope that makes a little bit more sense. Is yeah, people are really trying. Yeah, people are always trying to lay a claim to something they don't have. Um, I, I recommend a video that is, is kind of interesting by um guy, I, I think on YouTube, you'll find him under, my name is Marcus, or actually uh, Marcus Servant King. And he's got one that I think is titled, uh, You've Lost What Is Yours Because You've Tried to Claim What Is Not Yours. Wow. Actually, all of Marcus's videos are really good. The only problem with Marcus Servant King's videos is that he promises he's going to give you the remedy, and he never does. He just really found the problem and the relationship between us and the state. Uh, but I think that's very, very important for people to learn. Because I think once you learn that, you find the answer. And I think he found the answer without realizing that he found the answer. Maybe I'll, uh, I've got 
a link for I actually I've got a playlist for him, I think, on my YouTube channel. People go to Brian Parker Tactical Sovereignty, go in there and subscribe. I think I've got a playlist of his. And it shows that video and a few others. And those are actually probably some of the best videos for newbies. People that are brand new to all this information because it, it kind of shows you the relationship of what's going on. Studying for a while, every time I turn around, it seems like uh, I feel like I don't know anything. <laughs> oh, you know, it's the same with me. It's like the more you learn, the more you know, the more you find out you don't know. You know, that there's a whole new whole new layer to this game that we had no idea of. And in fact, one of the layers to this game that shocked me, I mean, like I said, I never went to public school. I, I went to a private Christian school my whole life. And one of the things that shocked me was that the more I started learning about like the legal world and how governments were set up and stuff, it all correlated right back to man-made religions. And they were just imitating it. That's all they were doing. They were imitating it. Like I've told people, you know, go in and read the first book of Genesis. Read the creation story. Don't necessarily need to read the second story because it's a whole different story in the second book. But read the first book of Genesis and then go in and read Title I of the United States Code. And you see how they set up jurisdiction. Jurisdiction over the land, jurisdiction over the water, jurisdiction over the people. Because when I first really, like I always said, go back to the beginning. And that's where you're going to find the answers at. So when I went to the beginning of like US Inc. and started looking, for instance, at uh, Title I, United States Code One, USC One, and I read that, the first time I read that, I was like, huh, this is interesting. And I went back and read it a second time. It's like, gosh, this sounds familiar. How do I know this? Third time I read it, I got a third of the way in. I'm like, oh, I know what this is. This is uh, Genesis 1. That's all it is. They imitated it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it goes back to the saying, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, right? <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> yeah, nothing new. They're just playing the same game all over again. And that same game, to me, is the fear and guilt control matrix, you know? Uh, in the government set up by U.S. Inc., you are brought up as a debtor. Uh, go and look at UCC, Uniform Commercial Code. Uniform Commercial Code is all about the debtor. Location of debtor, what to do with the debtor, you know, how to sue the debtor. <laughs> You're the debtor. You're brought up as a debtor. I mean, what we're told that when you're born uh, today, I think you owe like what eighty-two thousand dollars or something like that immediately when you're born. You're liable for eighty-two thousand dollars. That's why they refer to the people as constituents. Uh, a constituent, by definition, is somebody who agrees to pay the debt of someone else. You know, your congressmen, your senators. They always talk about their constituents. They're there to represent their constituents. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not here to pay the debt that somebody else created. 
and I certainly don't reap any benefits off from the people that created the debt either. I mean, I'll just throw one phrase out there, 9-11, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't reap any benefits. I, I don't receive any protections, so. And neither did those almost 3,000 people, so. But, but that's the way everything is viewed at. That everything is viewed as you being liable for the debt. You're a debtor. Uh, going to scripture. Scripture tells you you're born a sinner. I'm born a sinner? I'm born a sinner because Adam took a bite out of an apple, supposedly, and it's in by Eve. Right? So your religion has you growing up believing that you are automatically a sinner. You're automatically in need of salvation. You're automatically a bad person that you're going to go to hell. It, same thing. They, they both totally correlate back and forth with each other, whether it's today's governments or you go to the religions that the states allow. They're equal with each other. But if you go in... And I don't, a lot of people think this is religious. To me, this isn't religious. This is really just spiritual. But if you go in and look at the red letters in the King James Version, which I don't like, but look at the words of Yeshua. Yeshua wasn't telling you that you were born horrible. He, he, was, he was spreading a different message. It was Paul that was telling you something else. Paul wrote, I think, 70% of the New Testament. Or it's attributed to him anyway. So, yeah. Right, both systems have you placed in a position of liability. When really you shouldn't be. Now, if Adam had bitten apple a few thousand, what, 6,000 years ago, and I'm indebted to the creator because of that, then would that mean that if your earthly father, not much different than Adam, very much closer related to you, uh, one generation away instead of 60 generations away, if, if your earthly father had murdered somebody, does that mean when you're born, you're born a, mur a murderer? No. I mean, that's just a circular logic that the King James Version uses. <clears throat> but it's not something we've ever really thought about. Everybody kind of takes whatever is taught to you from Sunday school and... That's what they think the rest of their life. You know, I, I, I think we shouldn't automatically just assume those things to be true. I think we should, you know, ask questions and question the answers. To me, one of the big questions is where those answers come from. You know, where did the information come from? Like I said, it, much of what the church teaches today is a Roman Pauline philosophy. 
they, they don't really even teach the words of the Christ. But the words of the Christ, I think, correlate directly with what's going on with us today in relationship to the state, because that's what he was talking about. That's one of the reasons why they had no reason turning him over to the Sadducees and saying, okay, you guys kill him if you want. The state didn't step in to protect him. Because he was actually a deficit to the state. They just didn't want the blood on their hands. That's why Pilate washed his hands. And so my question today, I was going to make a meme about this actually today, and I forgot to do it. But, but my, it's probably because I had to go to work. But my question today is, as far as like religions go, if Yeshua was crucified and Rome allowed him to be crucified and they washed their hands of him because they didn't want the blood on their hands, and, and it was done because he was a detriment to the state and to the way their social programming was running things, which is no different today. What's happening today, you know, Rome never fell. It never really disappeared. It just changed names. Uh, look around Washington, D.C. Uh, look at the fascies on each side of Abraham Lincoln, his statue. Look at the fascies on the wall of Congress. I mean, Rome is still here. Okay, so if they allowed him to be crucified to get rid of his message, what are all these churches teaching today? These churches who are totally allowed to operate by U.S. Inc., by the empire. Are they teaching the words of the Christ? Evidently not. Otherwise, they get shut down. Yeah, if they you know tell I mean? the truth, yeah, they'll lose all their benefits. Yeah, exactly. They lose their 501c3 status and all that stuff, and they get all worried. And <laughs> you already know. Yeah. Well, they're taking benefits from Caesar. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you look at you know their compacts or their charters or their constitution, it's going to show that they they are formed under the IRS as a 501c3 organization. Well, hold on. Isn't the church supposed to be formed under the one living God? Yeah, exactly. Doesn't the First Amendment say that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion? Well, if it can make no law respecting an establishment of religion, then what do they have to do? Why do they have to follow this 501c3 crap? Uh, and I, I would also say read further into that. Read what an establishment is. Establishment doesn't mean that. Hey, what's up, man? This is Mike in Chattanooga. Hey, I haven't heard from you in a few weeks. What's up, brother? Yeah, this is Mike. Um, yeah, how are you I'm, doing? I'm doing great, but my home phone, I've been trying to get in talk to you before, you know, for the last, like, three months, and it will not let me, you know, like, I'll dial the number, and it won't ring. I mean, it, it goes to talk to you, 
but it'll never go to where you enter that, you know, the letters. I mean, not letters, but, you know, your call ID number. Yeah. Okay. It won't let me get to there, so I had to get my cell phone, and I dial it, and it's boom, right through. It's like, you know, since I'm registered there, you know, that number and everything, it's like it's got a block on it right now for some dumb reason. Uh, you know, I think a lot of things changed when Talkshoe changed their format. <clears throat> and there's a lot of people talking about the same information that I talk about. And I I think they kind of want to do a little bit of a shutdown on that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, yeah, you because... know, communications, communications are key to an uprising. And they don't want an uprising. And I'm Absolutely. not trying to promote an uprising. I'm not trying to promote an uprising. What I'm trying to promote is what I say is walk away. Hashtag walk away. Because it doesn't belong to you anyway. So, hey, leave it. Oh, I know. Uh, Law Nation. Law, Law Nations, which is referenced in the Constitution, and so therefore it's established. Constitution is established on the Law of Nations. Law of Nations tells you you have the right to quit. If you don't find that your country is advantageous to you, then you have the right to quit. You have the right to walk away. Oh, I, I know. No, you brought up the, some, you know, nine eleven a while ago. Okay, there was. I was wanting to talk to you about that, and also, you know, that lady Dawn. When are you gonna have her yeah. on? Um, I don't know. I, you know, I haven't talked to Dawn in a couple months. Um, she's not too hard to get a hold of. In fact, um, last week and this week, with us having a later call in the evening, might have been perfect for her because uh, she's located over there on the left coast. So, well, you know, this later night, this later night that you do is easier for me also because I got things to do usually at seven o'clock Eastern, you know, and it's to get ready for Monday, let's say, you know what I mean, or the day. So this. Like nine o'clock and later is ideal for me, East Coast time. All right. Well, you know, maybe I should post a poll to the group in Tactical Sovereignty and say what time would be most convenient for everybody. Yeah. Right. I know. That'd be uh, fair. Well, you remember yeah, she talks we... about the principle, you know, Don does and all that. And there's got to be a ton of power in that. And I'm going to give you an example here. A friend of mine, Social Security has given him a hell of a time, but he's a stinker also, okay? And, you know, it's like they would, they're saying to him, okay, because he gets Social Security disability, and they were saying, we want you to go to our doctor, and he's going to evaluate you and see if you're still, you know, disabled so we can continue giving you this money. He didn't want to go to that doctor. I mean, I would have went. Okay, he just goes, you ain't telling me what to do. I'm not going to your doctor. So they stopped his monthly check, and he raised hell with a senator office, you know, an aide there. And she called up the place and said, put him back on there. And he did. All right. A year later, same situation again. We want you to come in here. He said, I'm not doing it. And they cut him off again. Okay. And he calls up the senator's office, and they wouldn't do it the second time. So he calls the congressman's office, and they did it. They reinstated him. 
okay? And they said, man, it's tough as nails to get you reinstated on this. Don't rock the boat no more, okay? So a third time comes up, you know, a year later. And this third time comes up, and he was supposed to meet a administrative law judge online, on, uh, over the phone, right? And I'm on there with him as a witness. So we're all three on there. All right. And so this judge lady is wanting to cut him off. And so at the very first of this, he goes, I need to go over something first with you, judge. And she says, okay. And he asked, is your intent to cut me off? And she said, yes. You know, and he goes, okay. And he expressed the trust. He said that I'm Grant Tor over this Social Security account, and you're a public trustee. She said, and he goes, you know that, right? And she goes, no, I don't know that. I'm a judge. He said, well, you are. <laughs> okay. All right. And then next, he says, did you know there's a potential liability riding here on your shoulders if you cut me off or any damages and stuff like that, right? And she said, no, it's not. He said, yes, it is, because I'm the grantor, and I'm establishing that right now. Okay. Basically, that's what was said, you know, the main ingredients. All right. So, and that was, we'll say, on a Friday or something, Thursday, Friday. Monday, they sent out paperwork to him, and, and, and make a long story short, his entire file was moved to Hawaii, his Social Security account. And a, a head guy there sent him a letter stating that, that all of his stuff was held there. And, of course, they didn't try to cut him off. Something big time happened when he expressed that trust, is what I'm saying, Brian. All right. No, I totally, I totally agree. I totally agree. Right. And I'll, I, I'll, I'll give you a short, for instance, I was in a situation, too, over a guardianship situation. And so I knew it was an automatic trust situation where the father had placed me as trustee or beneficiary of the son. And I brought that up to the judge, uh, the administrator. And when I started talking, you know, she had her head down doing whatever. Ignoring. She sat back and put her hands up behind her head and listened. <laughs> because when you express that, it makes a difference. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring something to your attention. Happened. This guy had a warrant for writing a bad check like ten ten plus years ago. Okay, and he's been trying to squash that warrant. You know, he did paperwork stuff. It was in another state. Okay, and he did everything. He complained. He raised hell with with him, and did all kinds of stuff. Right for the last eight plus years on it. All right, this happened. In September, about that when he expressed the trust, guess what? In October, that warrant and the case and everything went away. And so he called him up after that because he checks it online. He would check it like every three months because it just aggravated him like crazy about that warrant being there because, you know, he knew that he could get arrested at any time and, you know, they'll like want to send him back to that state. You know, you don't want that hanging over you, right? You know, warrant of any kind, oh, yeah. and and Absolutely so. Absolutely not. All right, so 
he checks it after that. You know, it was like three months later, you know, he checks it. He goes, oh, darn, that warrant is gone. That's like my canary in a coal mine, okay? And it's gone. So he called up. And he said, I thought warrants never expire. And he talked to the head guy there at the courthouse. He said, as far as I'm concerned, as far as my knowledge is, they don't. He said, okay, my warrants went away. And he goes, I can't explain it. So he talks to the head lady there in the courthouse. And she said the state pulled all that. That's the only answer she could give. She didn't know anything else. But she said, she looked it up early and said the state is who pulled all that the court case and uh, that warrant. So does does what does that mean? Okay, does that mean now he is in the driver's seat of that account and they can't get access to it no more? You know, because that's what they're doing. They're raping our estate, right? Which is a trust, right? And when well, it's I, I, Grant Tor, all of a sudden he roadblock them so they don't have access to that so he may not be able to be arrested and stuff we don't know yet We're, he's going to check it here real soon well you know i think and i'm not really sure exactly what it is i i, I think actually something in writing would actually be better across the board i i think what he did by expressing it did make a difference because it should be expressed any anytime anybody is facing something like that that's going to do but i i think administratively there's maybe some other things that really should be put in place um and see here i i had a situation um about a year and a half ago where i went in and wanted to get my complete uh driver's record history from the department of motor vehicles okay and I went in and I've mentioned this before, but I asked the girl for it and she says, you know, how many years do you want? We do like three, five, seven. I said, okay, I don't know if I said five or seven or whatever, but um, because there was different prices for each one, uh, but I got like at least the five or seven. And see, what confused me was that a number of years ago, here on the state of Florida, I had gotten a DUI. And it was like a very minimal level DUI. Not a huge, big hassle. It was what it wasn't. And uh, in Florida, they, they will print on the driver's license, safe driver. Well, if you've had a DUI, you don't have safe driver on your driver's license anymore. Okay? Common sense. <laughs> well... I don't know if it was because I had done the authentication. Because when you do the authentication, when you do the double authentication, you do it through the state and then you do it through the federal. When it comes back from the federal, it comes back and on the cover sheet from the Department of State, it says, uh, greetings to whom these presents may come. And so I've gone and I've looked up that statement, greetings to whom these presents may come. Where does this come from? And it's always found on fiduciary documents. Always has to do with money. Period. I thought, wow, that's really interesting. So there definitely is a correlation. It told me at that time between your legal entity, what it's going to produce for the state, da da da, 
but now it's like they're turning it back over to you. I was and, and it, that, and it, well, remember you said this earlier. If you're not taking action with that account, because this is what we were, me and my friend were talking about, you know, like a year ago. If you haven't expressed the trust, okay, they're not going to acknowledge that there is a trust. And if if there's not a trust, there's no fiduciary duty for them, right? So they get to play it, and that's why they could they could run that account and cut him off of his entitlement and everything because he wasn't running it. So they get to go okay. in there and they'll act like the judge is doing it, okay? But see, they're nobodies. They're they're not really anybody to have authorization to do that. They get to do that because you're sitting on your hands, right? Right. Yeah, they're just but, administrators. They're they're just administrators because you're not administering it. Now, here's the second thing I did. Like I said, I wasn't sure which it was that played an effect into the driver's license thing, but. Um, I, I sent a letter to Secretary of State here, Secretary of State where I was born, and, and at the federal level, Department of State, <clears throat> and I clarified my position between me and the legal entity, and that I was not an administrator for that legal entity, and that, um, therefore, I instructed them that they needed to find somebody else to administrate it because I wasn't doing it. I, I was not in the representative capacity. I was going to represent something that they had created. Okay. Um, the, the document I wrote was a little more lengthy than that, but it was just a one page thing. One page affidavit. One page declaration. Anyway, um, so I wasn't sure if it was. The authentication that did it because along with it when I sent that back to them I also sent them um, my counter deed and if anybody looks up the definition of a counter deed a counter deed nullifies or voids any public deed which means that any attachment that the system wants to make to that deed they can't do otherwise that's fraudulent because now somebody else is actually in possession of it all right and so I'm not sure which one of those things really took effect. But when I received um, from the Department of Motor Vehicles my statement for my driver history, the girl put it in front of me, and she slid it in front of me. She's sitting at the computer. And I, I glanced down at it, and it was blank. So I was just sitting there because I, I was waiting. She was going to evidently pull up more stuff. And she looked over at me and she said, is there something more you need? I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, this is what you requested. And I looked down and I said, there's nothing on it. And she said, yeah, is there supposed to be? And I could think of at least four or five things that should have been there. There was nothing there. Wow. I know. So you've done something. See, I, I'm in that same category a little bit. I've done a lot of things like you have, and it, I'm not seeing any results, though, on my end. Like other people are getting a result like that. Like when I filled out my Social Security paperwork originally, you know, to get my disability, which start, I started doing it in 2000, and I got turned down every time. 
I did it like three or four times. They'd lose the paperwork and everything. And then an attorney told me how to fill it out. He said, you know, you fill it out like you always do. But he said the key point is that's your entitlement, right? And you got to claim that entitlement. So how you do it is you say that, that you're uh, – uh, let me get this exactly the way you told me to say it. You know, you sign your name like you always do, and then you qualify it as uh, the entitled beneficiary, okay? Because that puts you in the position that you're already there, you know, that you're already, that's your account and everything when you fill out any paperwork of anything. If you always sign it like that, you're jumping to the assumption that it's already went through. You know, like say you're, wanting a credit app to go through to get a credit card or buy a car. Well, you're the entitled beneficiary. You're already leapfrogging like it's all been completed, right, when you sign like that. And that way you're not going through step one or or step two. You're already at step Z. You see what I'm saying? Well, here's the thing. It's just like on, uh, like, say, a paycheck you receive. And people have seen this, I think, by now online. Uh, if you bought the magnifying glass and you look at that line underneath it says uh, authorized representative, you know, and it's like, well, yeah, why probably. do they hide that? Why why do they hide that? So, you know, when, when I sign checks, I always do a restricted endorsement. And okay. I had a woman, uh, I, I had a woman where I've been cashing checks at for a long time. She finally like looked close at it and she goes, hey, on the side here, it says restricted endorsement, you know, uh, pursuant to um, Title 12, 411. So, what's this mean? I said, well, that's banker's information. You're operating as a banker. You don't know this? Yeah, right. I think I think everybody should do a restricted endorsement, period. It makes a big difference. I, I had somebody call me up. A uh, gentleman was a congressman from New Hampshire, and I didn't know, but he had heard me talk about this, and he said, I, I started doing that on my stuff, and he said, I had something interesting happen. He said, I went to Home Depot, and um, I don't remember exactly what he said, but basically he was like, oh, I bought a chainsaw. I bought a chainsaw. I put it on my debit card, da, da, da. I had a problem with it. I took it back and returned it. He says, and when I returned it, and here's the thing. Whenever you return anything and you've used a debit card or a credit card, they go and they put the credit right back on your debit card or credit card. He said, they gave me cash. They gave me cash. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. You've changed the relationship. You've changed the relationship. Exactly. Exactly. Now, here's something that I heard a guy talk about, it's been a month or two ago, he was talking about, you know, when you set up your bank account, that every one of us are setting it up as a public. And if you set it up as a public, you're not controlling that account in any way. And so if you set it up privately, now he didn't go into any detail what qualifies for it to be privately set up. There's got to be a way that we can, you know, it seems like everything has a public side account and a private side account. How can we set a regular bank account up as being a private side 
and, and they will let it go through because, you know, they, they don't want that because that cuts out their jurisdiction. All right, I'll explain you think that. I'll explain it to you. Um, well, stop and think. What's public and what's private? Public is everybody doing general endorsements, general endorsements on their checks and stuff like that. That, all, that means yeah. that the, ba the banks can do whatever they want with them. Uh, it, that goes into the, uh, oh, what do they call it? That goes into the banking system where they can create like freaking 10 times, nine times credit off of shit. You know what I mean? Yes. And now when you look at private, okay, what's private? Oh, businesses. Those are private. So I went into the bank and I, I walked in with uh, my DBA. And my DBA was done under uh, unincorporated because state of Florida, I wanted to do the state of Florida DBA. And it said right on there, it said, you cannot DBA your legal name. I was like, oh, really? Okay. I'm going to do it anyway. And then I got down to the point where it said incorporated, unincorporated, LLC, da, da, da. I said, oh, there it is right there. Unincorporated. So I hit unincorporated. Um, next morning when I woke up, 8, 9 o'clock in the morning, I had a uh, email from the state of Florida saying my DBA was approved. Because I hadn't tied it into the state. It was unincorporated. And in fact, yeah, I went to look for it, and I couldn't find it in the DBAs for Florida. They actually have it in a different section because it's unincorporated. It isn't tied into the state. Okay. Did you so go to the Secretary of State? Is that where you get a DBA at in Florida? Yep. Because that's where in, in Tennessee you go to the Secretary of State to get a DBA. Yep. Secretary of State, fictitious name filing. Yep. Okay. So you did your own. You did your own DBA. Yeah. Yep. I did it. But when it showed up how you want it listed, whether partnership, incorporated, unincorporated, I, I hit unincorporated because I know that incorporated means it becomes part of the state. And statutory law. So this was exactly. an online form on the this was an online form on the Secretary of State website? Yep, yep. I did it online. I did it online at like ten, eleven o'clock at night. When I woke up the next morning, it is already approved. And I have a uh, certified letter from the state that I'm in good standing. Any type okay. of pertinent information like they asked you for that I should know about? Well, they, they just want to know an address and stuff like that. And interesting enough, the address that I put in, because I was just goofing around, I put in tactical sovereignty. Say, say that again. <laughs> so I just put in technical sovereignty, and it came back technical sovereignty on the form. Wow. Is your address? Yeah. That, wow. That's the name for the address. Yeah. And another thing, that DBA can live anywhere you want it to live. Wow. Right. 
I mean, you know, address-wise, that's what you get to express right there once again, Brian. Yeah, well, that that falls under the equal footing doctrine. I mean, it's set up. It's set up for all counties in Florida, but under the equal footing doctrine, it's good nationwide. But I know you can do federal DBA as well. Yep, and you could have it if you wanted to. It could live at the post office, couldn't it? That's where you wanted. Oh yeah. So you get, yeah, it gets, yeah. You're the one that decides where it lives. You know, what jurisdiction, in other words, if you want it in certain jurisdictions or not in their jurisdiction. You've got that. Well, and That's he, part of it. Here's my suggestion. My suggestion really would be to get a, a box at a Federal Express store and let it live there. Instead yep. of living in in a UPU address, right? That's, that's my a private address. Yeah, absolutely. I know. And so yeah. when you fill that out and take it to the bank, you're in a different category, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, and and here's the thing too. Now, uh, when you set up the bank account with the DBA. You set it up as a non-interest-bearing account. Also, right. a non-profit. You, did you know? Did can you, know can you, you say that last that part DBA? again? Did you know you can set that DBA up as a non-profit organization? Well, what I what I suggest is to set it up as a charitable organization. Well, you can yeah, you can go that way even. Yeah. You know, you got the choice um, right there. Yeah, he asked me that to bring one, up what it, it And see, that would make a difference, right? But, Wouldn't that make a difference when you go set it up also at the bank? Because I know a lady that set up a DBA like that because she works at the church. And so she got some kind of special identification number here in Tennessee. And so she never has to pay taxes or nothing, you know, anything bought because she's buying it in the behalf of the church, right? And so that DBA, she went and opened up a bank account with it. Kind of like what you're saying. You know, she well, that was goes an back. agent for the church. See what I'm saying? Well, that agent goes. for the church. And that's a well, contract. That goes back to what, all right. That goes back to what I was saying with setting up as um, a non-interest-bearing account. Um, and this goes back to Scripture. Scripture says that um, the borrower has liability to the lender, right? Yeah, absolutely. and so if you if so if you're not receiving a benefit from them, then they cannot also hold you liable. And I, I've mentioned this a time or two in the past, but after I did, okay, after you're not I did, after I did this. Hold on, after I did this, I went and bounced a couple checks off the account. And what I got back in the mail was that a little green card thing that said um, amount freaking charged, da, 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 amount afforded, and amount charged. And at the bottom, amount charged for the check, it said zero. <laughs> because they couldn't hold me liable because I wasn't holding any benefits. Okay. Uh, you wasn't in the usury either category. 
Well, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, usury. Yeah. And that's I, that. Okay. And most of these checking accounts, when we set them up, we're setting them up as a usury account, aren't we? And that's the mistake we're making, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, see, if, if you set it up properly, you, you're kind of not getting a benefit, you know, like a Federal Reserve type benefit. <laughs> you're just getting a benefit from the bank as as you're just doing business with them. And that probably don't give you no liability and and cause problems, see. It's when you get hooked into the usury side, all of a sudden you're under the Federal Reserve and their guidelines, maybe. And that's what we're talking about is doing private banking here. Stay out of that side of it. No usury. That's just yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know. You know, it's just I know. Yeah, absolutely. If if you're if you're receiving a benefit, then you're holding on liability. And even though the bank at the end of the year, you might only see that you're getting like thirteen cents back from them. I mean. Because that's how they set all the accounts up. They set them up as general accounts. You know, know. places you have a liability, and that's where they can nail you for overdraft fees and all that kind of crap. You know what I mean? That's yes. And and if you'll notice at the end of the year, they will send you a statement saying that you collected that thirteen cents, and you need to put it on your IRS tax account if if you need to. You, You know. They'll send you that for that reason. Yeah, and, and it'll say absolutely. 13 cents on it like that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's just, and, but, and they send you that letter, and that's just part of the obligation, see? When you're under that obligation, you're supposed to pay your fair share of taxes when you're over on that wrong side. Yeah, so remove yourself from the position of obligation. That's what I say. Don't accept you any go. benefits. Exactly. If you accept benefits, if you accept benefits, you have obligation. That's just the way it works. Okay. Now, if we go back to Social Security, you know, I have expressed the trust on my Social Security and things, and it hasn't done me any good, right? And I've did it with the VA also, and it's like they ignore this when I've expressed it. Right. Maybe I need to add an additional thing. Because my friend told talked about a potential liability that's waiting on them if they don't do the right thing. Maybe that's the step that I've left out. I've told them, okay, I've expressed the trust, but it's like, okay, I haven't really put their feet to the fire on anything, maybe. And that's why they still aren't really acting in, in the capacity that I want them to, which is to darn help me and pay out the maximum amount on all this stuff and acknowledge me, you know, when I send a letter to them or something. I mean, they don't even respond when I write to them a letter. That If they do respond, it's one of these computer printout things, like thanks for your letter to Social Security or VA. You know, they don't. It's not a, a personal letter to you. You know what I'm saying? It's just... A generic cutty cut, cookie cutter. All right. And well, so, here's the thing. Here's the thing, and this is what I try to explain to people: is that when you're dealing with like Social Security, what you have to comprehend is that this trust position and situation that was created with U.S. Inc. doesn't apply to them. They're a private company. They are a totally separate company. 
So the only thing relating to them is your contract with them. And you need to go back to the original contract with Social Security and correct that and deal with them from that contract standpoint. Because they're just a private company. That's all that. They are a private company just like US Inc. is a private company, just like the DMV is a private company. These are all just private companies you're dealing with. Oh, I know. And and until you do like you just said, okay, go back maybe to that original paperwork. But, you know, my friend did it all verbally, though, and it worked. So there's got to be some power when we say things to them, and it's recorded, and I was on the phone as a witness. Okay? When you do these things without a witness, I don't think you have any power either. I think it was all these ingredients because you've got to have a witness, don't you, to things in their world. Oh, they'll, they'll pretend yeah. like they don't. They don't get it, or you know, or or something. You know, they pretend stuff, okay? But when there's a witness there, all of a sudden that really limits their pretending, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Scripture talks about two witnesses, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And Rob Ryder talked about this. He said that he knows a guy that went into court and he he accepted the judge's oath and he did it three times, okay? Because he said, you know, that becomes like a witness when you say it three times. It's kind of like a witness. It's not, but it is. It's in a category. And when he did that, he said the judge uh, dismissed the court case. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, it's, got, it's got to be done in threes. Yes, there, there's there's something to all of this, okay? And that's what, what we're talking about right here. You've got to do what it takes, okay? You can't leave out one little step and expect it to work. You've got to do fully across the board what it takes to activate these accounts. And we haven't activated them, have we? They're kind of dormant, dormant sitting there. Well, yeah, it's it's like people contact me. They're like, well, I sent them a letter and I haven't heard anything back. And I try and say, you don't understand the administrative process. In fact, if anybody listening to this wants to find that, Go to Brian Parker, Technical Sovereignty, Administrative Process, easy as one, two, three. Learn the info there. Because the administrative process isn't just sending them a letter and not hearing anything back. It's also sending them a second letter saying, uh, you know what? I don't know if your dog ate it or this or that, but I sent you a letter. Haven't heard anything from you. I'm giving you uh, another opportunity to fix the situation. And if they don't, then you can send them a letter of default and they've defaulted on the situation. That way, if you get drug in a court, you can say, okay, here's my paperwork. This is what's been done. I exhausted administrative process. That's key words. I exhausted administrative process. These people did not communicate back with me. Therefore, there's nothing left that can be done and the case needs to be dismissed. Okay, now then, let's say you do that. Well, you know, one thing that can be your witness is when you fill out that green card at the post office that they sign, okay, the post office becomes your witness, don't it? Absolutely. Okay, so that's establishing a witness right there in that process, which is part of it. You've got to prove that you sent the letters to them, too, because they'll pretend they didn't get them. That's why I tell everybody, always send that green card receipt. 
That way you have evidence that they actually received it. That's what a witness is. It's evidence for you. Uh, you, know, that's, that's, you know, I guess while the Bible's talking about that, you got to have this witness to confirm what you have done. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know and, and so that, that's kind of what we're doing. We're trying to establish all of this. And that's part of this groundwork, you know, say the stuff that you've done, you know. You did some things that has established there was a witness to it, and that's why your driver's license uh, record might have been purged. Yeah, absolutely. Because all of a sudden you did something that, and, it, and it becomes yours, so they they can't make those statements anymore. You know, because I've heard, you know, this, this is all hearsay, but, you know, if your master file has all kinds of junk in it that you know that they know is a lie, but since it's sitting there, they get to use it against you in your master file. Yeah, the, the master file. If you look at the master file for the IRS, <laughs> the master file is going to show you as being a drug runner or gun smuggler or whatever. Yeah, They're yeah, yeah. Have you yeah, they're, they're going to have you in a situation that uh, totally goes against uh, the profits of the revenue service. Yeah. Right. Which, which it, is it, what, uh, 72 CFR uh, 2711. Yeah, you're committing crimes against their revenue. Okay, you just said that exactly right, okay? Because I heard a senator say this about a year or two ago, that, you know, the way medical marijuana, you know, they're starting to bring that out, you know, allow it to happen. And he said that what we could do is just decriminalize it, okay? And then across the board, it would be okay. But they're not doing that. What they do is they keep it illegal and then they legalize it and you've got to have a license then. So see, they still control it and they can tell you, yes, you can have it or no, you can't. And that's the way they have done all this stuff. They have made everything we do almost illegal, and that's why it's on our master file. Okay? They don't well, criminalize it, nothing. Well, it's illegal because, okay, what's a license? I, I, I did a meme about a week ago on this. Uh, a license <clears throat> is giving you permission to commit a licentious activity. Fair enough, and that's why they keep marijuana a criminal offense, okay, instead of decriminalizing it, right? And and if they do it like they're doing, they get to collect money, okay? Because if you go to Colorado, I know a lady lives there, and if you go want to buy marijuana there, which you can, you have to get a license. And if you want to sell it, you got to get a license. If you want to grow it, you got to get a license. Well, they're making money off all that, and they're still controlling it. And if they don't like you, if they don't like Mike in Chattanooga, they can pull my license. Hey, I can't sell it. I can't grow it. I can't make money. It See, that's how they keep control of everything, is you make everything illegal and then give everybody a license, don't you? Well, here's the thing. So here's the thing, and people need to realize. Everything that laws do, 
laws create a monopoly. That's exactly what every law does. It creates a monopoly. Okay. Wow. Uh, for instance, let's go to the driver's license situation. Okay. You have to have a driver's license to operate on the public roads. Otherwise, when you get pulled over, they'll drag your ass off to jail, right? All right. So, it's created a monopoly. Why? Because the only place you can get the driver's license from is from the Department of Motor Vehicles or your Secretary of State. Mm -hmm. So, that means they have created a monopoly to where since you want to operate on the roads, the only way you can go and get a DL or a driver's license is from them. Yeah, everything is through them. Yeah, you can't go to Yeah, you can't go to a you can't go to a competing company or anything like that. It's only them. So they've created okay. a monopoly. Here's 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 my yeah, question to you. If you fill out the DBA correctly, does that break their monopoly maybe when you do that and you're unincorporated and you know and it's a charity and stuff all of a sudden you break that monopoly maybe i i think that might have been what was done and and i'll tell you what i i have had not one or two i i've had i think i'm counting right now at 17 interactions with the empire whether being pulled over or them coming to my house. <clears throat> and they treat me totally differently. Um, they treat me with total respect. In fact, Hurricane Irma at one o'clock in the morning after Hurricane Irma came in, I had an officer come to my house and said, we're looking for Brian Parker. And I was like, I'm right here. They're like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. And after they left, I went to the door to see what they were doing. Because I want to see if they were going door to door, what they were doing. They weren't going door to door. The cop got back in his car and drove away. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, you you brought up earlier, one thing that I've always thought was the dumbest thing was to deny the name. Because the name is what clears you and gives you your... It, it says that, that you're a good guy, right? Because when somebody robs a bank, all of a sudden their name is a bad guy, right? And so if you don't have a name, if you don't have the name, then you must be a bank robber, and they get to hold you until that name clears you. The name is, is your asset to stay out of jail. You know, these people will say, deny the name like that. That's the dumbest thing that ever came out through the Patriot movement. Well, I can't remember who it was. I, it was like an attorney general or whatever. Uh, four or five years ago, he came out and he said that the majority of people are in federal prison uh, under mistaken identity. Let that sink in for a minute. I know. I know. And that's something. Yep. And and so we don't know the game is the problem. Okay. There is a game here. It's like a monopoly game. Okay. 
and you know how you have to know how to get on that board and move from square to square and they you know and they mistrain the patriot movement purposely so that we go the wrong direction <laughs> you know uh you know what you brought up you, you brought up rob you brought up uh, rob Ryder a while ago and i recommend people go look online and look up rob Ryder. claim the name before they do rob and I, rob Ryder. claim the name before they do um although i would have titled it differently because they've already claimed the name but in my opinion they're holding it in advance well i'm waiting I, I for tell you, I, we have called i have called uh you know different places vital statistics and everything they don't say they own it they say they're holding it in safekeeping for me is what they're doing there you go well that's what advance is that's what advance is advance is holding it until the owner of true interest comes forward and when the true interest holder comes forward then it's released back to you they're just holding okay. it you're right and so if we haven't expressed the trust if we haven't done these things that we should be doing then we're really in a way not even on the monopoly board are we they are and they're controlling yeah. everything why do you why? think why do you think why do you think you're an enemy of the state yes okay and that gets back to my friend that expressed the trust and that warrant went away right yeah see you know, you're an enemy of the state because you're operating in a position that you don't have rightful ownership to that's right okay and that's and i think that's why they put out this deny the name because if you deny the name you've lost all of your inheritance right there as a result of being that dumb yeah you've lost everything and uh, you look at people who have done this because i i've i've kind of followed some of them they're sleeping on other people's couches and this and that other people are paying I, for their shit and it's like wait a minute so it's okay for other people to work and do stuff and support you but it's not okay for you to do it uh yeah that doesn't make any sense i know i know i've I, i've heard the same thing you're talking about we know a guy in particular that denies the name he don't even have a car to drive or nothing okay and he he thinks it's beneficial what he's done, and I think it's just crazier than I'll get out because you, you he don't own nothing, and if he goes somewhere in a place where to see him, he can't clear his name, so they're gonna have to hold him till he does, right? Yeah, that that's that's what I've always said. You know what? Go ahead and deny the name, and enjoy your seventy-two hour stints in fucking jail. <laughs> yeah, and if you're lucky, because there's been people. There's a guy that lives in Kentucky, and he didn't have a driver's license, and he didn't have a birth certificate, and he got arrested for no driver's license and a few other things, and they took him to jail. And he had to stay in jail six weeks, and, and what he had to do to get out is he had to agree that he was driving without having a driver's license. And so he thought that he was out of the system since he'd never had original birth certificate account and never had original driver's license. Okay, that's all true, but when they arrest you and hold you in that jail and the only way you can get out is to admit to a crime, you have to do it. He tried, you know? He tried to, 
not meant to anything, you know, like I, I don't, I'm nobody, you know, I don't live anywhere. He said all that stuff. Didn't do him any good. They held him till he admitted to a crime because I guess there's a liability there and they didn't want the liability. So they, they made him have to give in. He still probably could have sat there and said, nope, not doing it. And they probably would have lost him anyway. Right. Yeah, because no matter what, well, and, and I was in contact right. with his. I heard his, you know, his wife and stuff, and she was upset. See, six weeks had went by, and you know they're wanting wanting daddy back home, right? And and he stayed six weeks. Well, they didn't want him to have to stay another six weeks, and and and, and it probably all would have been hunky dory. So the easy thing was admit to that crime. And pay the two hundred dollar fine. It was something like that. But I bet they waived. I mean, he could have admitted under duress. I I hear what you're saying. You would think. You would think that. But they held this rascal for six weeks like that, and then as soon as he signed that, they let him go. And I don't know if he had to pay that fine or not. I'm just guessing. I bet that's what I'm saying. He could have. He could have signed under duress, and then he could have went back in court and he could have fixed it. He could have got back in honor. Yeah. But the thing, if you look at it, all he did was actually just sign a piece of paper, and that took the liability away from that county. That's Uh why I'm guessing they did it. Oh, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. Well, you know what, guys? We've been on for an hour and a half, and I try and keep these calls kind of short, hour, hour and a half. People see, I always schedule them for three hours. Just that way we can get everything in we need to. Um, but I prefer to keep them at like an hour, hour and a half because, you know, people see long calls and they ignore them. Um, but this is good info tonight. I think this is really fun. Thanks, guys. And right. Can I add, add one more thing to what you're, you've been, you said earlier a little bit, you know, about 9-11? I was, I was, uh, if you, got, you, you want to go a few more minutes or you want to kind of shut, shut her down now? Um, I shut down in about five minutes, preferably, but yeah, go ahead. Okay. Hey, I, right. I, I want to I say as well, though, is that what this is really all about is what I always say. It's about learning who you really are, where you're really at, and where you're really from. Because we've been lied to about all those things. And when you figure those that, things out, you'll know more than most people. That is the important thing that I'm going to stress that you just said. I said, the, you know, they want to run us down these rabbit holes all the time, right? You, you're being lied to all the time. I mean, everything's almost like a lie. If you'll search, research into it and check it out, okay? Now then. I was on Facebook about a month ago, and I seen a video on there, and this guy had done, it might have been 30 minutes long, and it was really long, and it was showing all of of people that predict, not predicting, but showing that 9-11 was going to happen with those Twin Towers, okay? Now, I heard some guy looked at the, you know, those towers were originally started building them in 67. Was you aware of that, 1967? Right. And when they got, you know, they had to get the paperwork for it, you know, for codes and all that. When that thing was originally built, they had it on there that those towers were going to be broke, taken down in about 20 years or so. 
that, that they were just going to be there temporarily. Something to that effect. A guy looked up that, you know, looked up on the city, I guess, planners or something, that it was limited about it. You know, how many places would build a building and say, oh, you know, we're only going to need this building about 20 years? And that was in 67. I don't know anybody that would want to precondition their buildings like that big skyscrapers that, oh, we're only going to need them that long, then we're going to tear them down. That don't make any sense. Okay. And there was these cartoons. In 1949, there was a cartoon that talked about the Twin Towers will be taken down. And all kinds of cartoons and stuff all through all this kind of prediction that that was going to come down. Right? Did, have you seen that video? It's on my timeline. Well, you even look at uh, when the Pentagon was created. Uh, the Pentagon, uh, they dug into that on September 11th. That's when they started creating the Pentagon. I mean, all these numbers correlate with each other. They do. Okay, now then, here's here's a one that will blow your mind, okay? You, you know the rock group Super Tramp. Do you remember right. that album that, that came out in, uh, I don't know, was, I think it's 79. Do you remember that album? It was called Breakfast in America. I know the name of it, but no, I, I didn't pay attention to it. Okay. Well, you can go online and there's copies of that. Okay. And when you put it in front of a mirror, it's it has 9-11 on it and the Twin Towers. Okay. Yeah, that and, uh, okay. That whole thing, that woman... It, there's a there's a a lady you know that's a server right you know and she's holding this orange juice up and that's supposed to signify the, the burning you know of those towers you know the destruction of those towers and it's right in front of them, the way she's holding it up and uh, her name is Libby and she's holding it like she's uh, the Statue of Liberty you know like that kind of mimicking that and everything and the picture of all of this is taken from the inside of a, of a plane, of a passenger plane looking out of it. Okay? All right, then, and, and it's got all kinds of stuff on there that this 9-11, they knew ahead of time that this was going to happen. All right, on the back of it, it's got the Twin Towers there with a plane flying right to it and getting ready to, you know, hit it. It's just, say, a, a, a few... Millimeters or so from the twin towers, and it and it it's showing that like it made a trail from from the left side, and the twin towers is on the right side on the back of that album, and this jet is getting ready to hit it. Okay, now we know there was no jets, of, of you know passenger jets, anything hit those towers. Okay, but they set this up like that. It was designed, you know, the guy that designed that. Uh, cover on that super tramp. You go look it up on if you go to Facebook on my downline there. Uh, I've got all this stuff, and some people did videos explaining this. And that album has sold 20 million copies. I mean, that's more than it, you know an average really success, right? All right. The the name of the album before that one was called uh, Crime of the Century. <laughs> so, yeah, go figure. Well, I you mean, know, I, I've, but, got, I've got 
got uh, a YouTube playlist that shows some very serious stuff that anybody watches it. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can't think twice. You have to know the truth. Yeah. <laughs> and so I guess, you know, you hear that all the time, that they're giving us a heads up on the things they're doing to let us know that they're running the show. They're administering our stuff. And so what we got to do is break that monopoly, like you said earlier, and that's what this discussion is tonight. That's why I brought that 9-11 up, is that is unbelievable. I remember that Super Trump album and everything. I remember everything about it, I, all those things. And looking uh, at the you know what? I've seen it. You're correct. And you know what? The bottom line is we're supposed to be administering Arizona State. That's the bottom line. Um, and that, I'm going to have to cut I'm gonna have to cut this short. Well, Doc, Thanks, that's terrible. We got we got a whole bunch more stuff. I guess we'll just have to pick up next week, darn it. Hey, yeah, <laughs> next week, uh, next week, possibly at seven o'clock Eastern, and get you all. Hey, and you know the same thing as he just brought up. This is all about learning who you really are, where you're really from, and where you're really at. That will answer more things than anything. Yeah, if you don't... Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.